So this morning, Warren just mentioned, sorry, maybe some of you don't know. My name is Martinez. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet whoever I don't know. Um, so this morning was quite nice. So Linky sent me a message. Stuart's wife, I almost said girlfriend. No. They, they are still... They, they are still lovey-dovey with one another. Yes, but it's his wife, officially, okay. So she sent me a, a voice note, which when I listened to it, I thought, wow, it, it really links up with what I was about to share. So I was like, thank you, God. At least I know I, I've got the right thing on my heart. So uh, we're first going to play that, and then after that, I'll jump onto the thingy, if we can play that. Ja, ik zei, ik heb het eens op mijn hart. Um, nou, je kan kijken wat willen voor dat ik een persoon te deel. Maar um, ik vind het eerst begin met een voorbeeld. Van, um, met een voorbeeld. Zoals ons, um, waar van ons het moest nou trutteldieren. En als we ze trutteldieren het, dan gaan we een voorbeeld van een hondje. Als we ze trutteldieren het, dan een hondje het, dan kijk wat ze die aard goed afgekampt is. En ons geef hom korse water en liefde. As die hondje daar ontsnap, dan gaan kyk ons, hoe kom het daar ontsnap? As daar een gat, en dan maak ons die gat toe, het hy dier die heining gekom, en dan, as hy dier die heining kan kom, het span ons die oogjes draad. As hy daar weer oor die uh, meer gespring het, dan bou ons die meer oor. En so um, hou ons die hondje binnen, um, dier die omgeving, um, veilig daar en um, skoon daar, kors water en liefde te gee. En so hier is een voorbeeld, en dit ek voel die skrif wat my baar uitstaan, is Lukas 11 vers 28. Wat Jesus sê, Bles rater aardhuis, hoe hier die woord of God, en keep it. En die twee woorde wat baar uitstaan is, hier en keep. En ja, ek het gevoel, baie van ons hoor die woord van God, maar hou ons dit, hou ons vast daaran. Um, so wat ek gevoel het is, um, ja, om mense aan te moedig, dat as hy sikkel om die woord vast te hou, as hy sikkel om tyd met die Heere te spandeer, om, um, om in die woord van die Heere te blij gaan kyk, wat is daar, wat is daar in my huis, is het ook... Um, Unforgiveness, of ek kom die breere uit die, of ek is overwind, of overwhelmed, of wat is dit? Um, gaan kyk, net soos wat jy gaan kyk, hoekom die hondje ontsnap, so gaan kyk ons in ons harte, hoekom sikkel ons om die woord van die Heere te keep, om het te hou, hoekom sikkel ons, en, kom, en om daar goed in die licht te bring, en te repent daarop, so dat ons die heilige geest kan keep, die woord van God kan keep, in ons binneste, En net veralgevoel as die woord vir die vakantietijd wat ek voorlee, um, ja, dat ons die woord van God hoor en dat ons het keep, ja, to keep it, keep it, keep it, dat is my baie, baie um, uitgestaan. Ja, so, ek hoop het maak sin. Ok, bye. Ok, so I'll just recap in English briefly. So she said, often if we have a pet, we look well after it. We feed it, we give it water, we put a fence around it. But if we get there and it's not there anymore, 
we start crying. No, she didn't say that. But we, um, we, we have a look. Is there a hole? Is the fence maybe broken? Maybe make a wall higher? And we need to upkeep that. And she said what she felt is the whole thing of God's word. Do we hear his word, but are we actually keeping onto his word? So the same way you look after a pet well and all of that, how much more should you not hold on to what God is saying? And uh, I know Audrey had a similar thing about vision, about uh, direction, and not listening to the worldly influences. And um, so Linky also said that the whole thing about looking after your pet is the condition of your heart. Where is your heart? And then the, the, like the fence and stuff, that's the environment. What is your outside environment looking like? Cool. So before I jump into this, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that you speak. To this day, you still speak to us. Thank you that we can be used by you. And this morning, God, I just pray, just bring your heart to us. Bring your heart and let us hear what you are saying and help us, God, to follow your ways. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so if I say the word rom-com, what kind of feelings do I get here? Any, any haters? Haters amongst us? Yeah, there's a hater. Any lovers? Any people who are too shy to say? Okay. So I think as soon as, as, soon as men get uh, married, and hey, if you're there before you're married, fine, no judgment, okay? But all of a sudden, you become a rom-com watcher. I, I, those people, I think they're so clever the way they designed it because it tickles the heart of men and women. Like the laughing, ha, 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 love it. Or the emotional thing. And it's so emotionally driven it takes us somewhere the whole time and you see in these movies like oh i fell into love and oh now i'm falling out of love and oh now i feel like this and oh now i go there and all of their decisions are based on how they feel and it becomes this unfair thing on men because our wives or girlfriends or whatever watch those shows hey i love it okay <laughs> loser maybe but um I watch it with my wife, I like the laughter, and sometimes I even like the emotional parts. Uh, no, I think I like it a lot. Anyways, so, um, but, but it puts this unfair expectation, because all of a sudden, our wives expect those kind of things from us. And we don't have a script, we don't know the right things to say all the time. And it becomes this whole emotional thing of, you need to go wherever your heart goes. So a while ago, no, many years ago, we were still living in West Beach or Big Bay, and um, we used to watch the series, and we loved it. And I think we got to about season four, and I told my wife, I can't watch this anymore. Because what happened in my heart is I wanted the bad all of a sudden. I wanted the guy to, to leave his wife and go with that girl. Because the way they write these things, it drives your emotion, and you get to a place where, like the Bible says, we call good bad, and we call bad good. And I saw it starting in my own heart, and I was like, semi-freaked out. So we need to watch these things. And the thing is, we, that's the way the world is made up. It's very emotionally driven. So my concern is, usually where the world is at, pretty soon Christianity is there. 
And I think we are there already. I think Christianity is very emotionally driven. I've got nothing against emotion. I mean, the Bible has lots of emotion. But if that drives you, I think that's a problem. So um, we see it in the elections, especially in the U.S., how all those different parties and how they were so driven emotionally. And the, the thing is, it goes even further than that, where some people can't even believe God anymore because they don't feel it. Or they can't call themselves Christians because they, they don't have that feeling and the emotions are not there. And it's such a scary place to be. So I was saved in the late 90s. Yes, we still live. We're not dinosaurs yet. And um, back then you used to get the four spiritual laws. Maybe Warren, Lynn, no. Okay, no. So four spiritual laws. And when I just got saved, I struggled a lot with my feelings. Like I would go like this, that I think mentally I wasn't at a good place maybe. And so on one of their website links, it went from the four laws to just like, what do you do with your heart? And I was like, yes, please. I want to understand this thing. And they had this train. First, they had the locomotive. I think that's a word. Then they had a cart. Then they had another cart. And I'm sure you could add a few more. But the locomotive, they called fact. See, that's the thing that drives the whole train. The fact, the locomotive. And the facts were, who is God? What does his word say? That's it. Nothing else. God and his word. So that's the locomotive. That's the driving force. Then the next thing was faith. Not faith in my own faith. I mean, my faith sometimes is so flaky. <laughs> faith in God. Faith in his word. Faith in who he is. And then after that was the card called emotions. And see, emotions might follow your faith, but only when your faith is in God would it be the right emotions. But what we've been doing as a society is we're so emotionally driven. So if you take this train and you try and make the emotions, if a cart on a train tries to go somewhere, that thing's going to derail. I think most of us understand that. If there's like a little stone and the emotion cart goes over that, the train's going to do this. And this is what we've been doing. And we need to fix this problem. We need to reverse the whole order of that train so that we look at the facts again and not purely at the emotions. So um, I think it was when Will was here, actually, we had a worship time, and then Kala mentioned something about worship. And it made me think while I was preparing that so often our, our worship is emotionally charged. Once again, I have nothing against God doing stuff. But if that's our drive, if that is our motivation, we're derailing the whole thing. So LaSalle usually tells this good story of when they were in church. Well, she still is, but when she was young and already in church. And I just wanted her to share that. Yeah, morning, guys. Um, yeah, so... There's a scripture in the Bible, who knows the scripture, that says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's pretty scary for me when I read it. I'm like, oh, Lord, my heart is the most deceitful thing on the planet. Um, and so sometimes when we are led or guided by our hearts and our emotions, it can actually lead us into big trouble and into darkness. So I want to tell you two very quick stories. 
The one is a story of um, a lady who was guided by her emotions and was led by it. And the other story about a man who wasn't. And I just wanna, want you to see the difference between the two. So a few years ago, I was um, asked to come and help pray for a girl in Somerset West um, for deliverance. She was really, really bound in terms of emotions, struggled severely with social phobias. Um, she, like fear was just, she was completely, completely bound by fear in many different ways. She had depression amongst other things. So me and a few girls went to pray for her. Um, and um, God set her free, but one of the greatest things for me about it was afterwards we chatted to her and we said to her, you know, your language has become so um, almost tied down to what you feel, your emotions. So for years, she would just say things like, and there's nothing wrong with saying it, I also say it, but for her, it actually put her into bondage. She was saying things like, yeah, but I just feel this, and I just feel this, and I just feel... So everything was so like, my feelings are here, and therefore I follow, and it actually put her into great, great bondage. And we said to her, stop it. <laughs> In love, please, stop it. So we want to ask you for a season, at least until you're free from this thing, try to really say, but I know, but I know God is saying this. Yes, I'm not, not acknowledging what I'm feeling, but this is what God says rather than what I feel. And it actually brought her into such a great place of freedom. They're serving on eldership today. Um, so she's doing very well. And the other story was um, many years ago, I was 15 years old when I joined the church. And this man had a massive impact on my life. His name was Steve Delia, Charlie Delia. She was still in that church with me. And um, he actually got saved out of drugs. He was severely demonized. And he ended up in a mental institution in Stickland. And when he got saved, God came into his room. It was like a miraculous, every salvation is miraculous, but I think his life was just so messy. Um, and God saved him out of those, those things and set him free in an instant. In an instant, he was set free. And a, a large part of his ministry was signs and wonders and miracles. And I knew see legs grew out like almost on a weekly basis. He prayed for people that got healed. So it was just the gift that God has given him. But a lot of his um, journey with the Lord um, actually started from a place of seeing and experiencing deeply and emotions and, and seeing radical things, which is amazing and it's something great. And he was involved in worship. And then one day he picked up his guitar and he always experienced the Lord. And he picked up his guitar and it was like, like God was just gone. It felt like, he said, I felt like I went through a desert period for years where I didn't have a goosebump, I didn't have an experience, I didn't hear the Lord, I was leading a church, I, uh, I was just like, God, where are you? I went for deliverance, I went for prayer, I went for, I tried fasting, he said he did everything, um, and just God was, was gone in, in his heart at least, felt like that. And it went on for years, but he was in front worshiping God with everything in him when church was on, and he still preached, and he still loved people, and I mean, people who didn't know him, he'd never say that he was struggling through this great desert. And then the one day, he was in his room, and he picked up his guitar, and the first string that he, that he played, he just felt God's presence on him again. And he started weeping, and he said, God, where have you been? Um, and God said to him, I've been here all along, but I wanted to teach you obedience. I wanted to teach you what it's like to worship me, regardless of your feelings. 
And that made such an impact on my life when I heard it. I was like, yes, Lord, I want to be that girl. I want to be that person that worships you when life sucks. I want to worship you when things are hard. And through my parents' divorce when I was younger, grew up in a broken home, uh, when we struggled to fall pregnant, early days we struggled in our marriage, I was able, because of this man's example, to worship the Lord despite anything that I feel. Um, and there's a verse in the Bible that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes, God wants us to taste and he wants us to see him. But sometimes we can't taste and sometimes we can't see. And I just want to end with this. There's this verse with Doubting Thomas. He was poking Jesus' hands. He's like, okay, I'll believe, but I just want to put my finger through the hole. And Jesus said to him, because you see me, you believe. But blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And so that's my encouragement, I think, to us. Can we say, God, I'm going to worship you if I don't see, if I don't taste, because you are worthy? It's cool, eh? And that always sticks with me, and not just because she says it, but I see it in her life. I mean, I know how our marriage was in the beginning. <laughs> and I, I saw how she continued to worship God. I was more flaky when it came to that. I was more like, nah. But she went for it. And it's not being fake. It's going, this is what God says about himself. This is where God will go, the locomotive. I'm going to follow him. And another thing, when, when um, I, I asked Lissel to, to share something about this worship, and she mentioned the girl's life, I realized so often we categorize worship just in standing here on a Sunday. Our whole lives, our whole life is worship. And we should handle it that way. So um, just to tie it in with emotional Christianity, so often, when we come to worship, the prophetic words are, uh, people feel really down, or people are going through a tough time, or people are feeling yucky, or life is not lucky. And yes, all those things are there, and all of those encouragements are necessary. But for me, sometimes it feels the pendulum is way more here than it is here. It's way more on how we feel and how we struggle and how terrible life is than this is how awesome God is. This is the truth. This is where we should go. So I just felt that's why I need to share this because it's something we need to bring in. And we bring it so into our feelings with God. I think often we go, fire is the goal. Yes, God, let me feel goosebumps. Let me do whatever. That's not the goal. That might be an effect. That's not the goal. The goal is to worship God for who he is, for what he came to do, for what will happen, for what we know about him. So um, a scary thing is I heard this one guy, he said, you know what? Good talent can bring goosebumps. How often do we not stand in worship? It's like, ah. Oh, and hey, I've experienced God in radical ways. I know sometimes goosebumps are him. But sometimes it's talent. Sometimes it's purely flesh. I've watched America's Got Talent a lot with my wife. It's another rom-com duo. And um, you feel stuff emotionally. That's not the main aim. See, talent only brings goosebumps, whereas God's anointing breaks the yoke. That's where we want to end up. So um, if you can put up 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Booyah. 
There we go. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So we have those, they seem so similar. Both of them are feelings like, oh, I feel bad. Or, but see, the one is just emotionally charged, worldly. And the one is based on truth, godly sorrow. But it ends in salvation. It ends in there's no regret. Whereas the worldly sorrow leads to death. That's hectic. That's the train wreck. So um, I once chatted to this guy who was part of church. I think he was in Stewie's Com. And um, he decided he can no longer come to church. He doesn't believe anymore, all of that stuff. And um, so I just wanted coffee out my heart. <laughs> no Warren. <laughs> I'm having a Warren moment now, Jack. <laughs> um, God's heart moment, okay? This is godly sorrow for, <laughs> for someone who decided, no, I'm going to follow that side. And I was talking to him and he said, you know what? God hasn't done anything for me. I haven't had any experiences with God. He hasn't done anything which I know is doing for me. And it bothered me so long. Like, <laughs> how do you get there? And then I realized, but he didn't get that this is the main thing. The facts about God, what he has already done for him. He died on a cross. What more do you want? That's what he came to do, but he wanted an experience. He wanted a feeling, and I can promise you, many people have experiences and feelings and never follow Jesus. So we, um, in our community, we went through a bit of, uh, how do you share your, the gospel? Not your gospel, please no. The gospel. <laughs> and, um, and we watched the scene of, Two different scenarios, same thing. So um, a guy sits on an airplane and someone walks up to him and says, hey, sir, here's a parachute. Please put it on. And he's like, what's the parachute for? And then they say, well, it's going to increase your experience of a flight. It's going to be an amazing flight with this parachute. You're going to feel fluffy. I mean, it's lucky. It's cushy. There's going to be so much joy when you can just lean back on this thing. And Pretty soon, people are going to start looking at this guy. They're going to start pointing. They're going to start laughing at him. He's going to feel he's not that comfortable. And he's going to go, but this experience they were promising me is fake. And he's going to take off that parachute and chuck it away. Because the feeling, the experience, it didn't match up. Whereas if you would link it to, sir, why, why do I need to put this thing on? And you say, well, pretty soon all of us are going to have to jump out of this airplane. Only those with parachutes are going to survive. I mean, you're going to hold on to that thing. If people laugh, if people mock you, if you feel uncomfortable, you're going to go, I know I'm going to have to jump. I'm going to keep on to this. And unfortunately, often we sell this type of gospel, the feeling, the experience, whereas it should be fact-based. We need Christ. It's not just feeling that might follow. <laughs> so, um, here we go. So, um, there's so many worldviews out there. I mean, it's, 
you just pick up your phone and it's there. And unfortunately, I was, I was listening to a podcast on fake news, and they say social media, especially the AI behind it, is very emotionally charged. So the more likes, the more hearts, the more hates, the more ah, the more that happens, that pops up onto your feeds. So just imagine how emotional we are as we go through it. I'm not saying get off it. What I'm saying is that's how it works. <laughs> and unfortunately, what they saw, because they do some whack stuff sometimes, is they saw that conservative Christians are 70% more likely to respond. So as Christians, we need to know, don't respond. Don't respond to feelings. Don't respond to these things. Go to the facts. Is it even true what's being said there? And go back to, you don't have to always reply on what's being said. Rather, keep yourself in, go back to the facts. Um, it goes further than that. I mean, often Christians have some kind of bad experience. We all do. And then they go, now I'm going to pick my whole Christian life apart, which is okay. But then many people try and connect all those things back to emotions, back to how do they experience life, back to how do I feel. And that thing leads to distraction. Other people pick it apart and they go, okay, but does God actually say? Does God actually say? Does God actually say? And their faith is often way stronger than before. So we need to link stuff to the facts about God. It's as good as, say, early days, maybe this week. <laughs> I wasn't the best husband. So maybe if my wife was to wake up in the mornings and go, how do I feel about Martinez today? <laughs> she might have gone like, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with you because I'm like this, trying to get everything done in our house. But she doesn't. She based it on facts. Who is this man? What is his character like? How do I know him? What is his past? And that's what we should do with God. We can't just go, I feel like this now. We should go, okay, but who is God? What, what have we read about him? What have I seen in my life? So when things don't make sense when it comes to God, go back to what you do know. I've seen it, some things in my life took years, maybe decades before I went, oh, now I get it. But you can't just let go because of this. You hold on to this until God goes, oh, here's a missing link. Click. Ah, thank you, God. It makes sense now. So um, there's a place I want to sketch for background. The, the place is ruined. And there's just desert land everywhere. And the people ask, why? What's happening? Why is it like this? So if you can put up Jeremiah 9, verse 13 to 14. And I'll treat my desert place. So they ask, why? Why is it like this? Why is it a desert? Why is it in ruins? And the Lord said, says, because they have forsaken my law. So this locomotive. They have forsaken his law that I've set before them. So not behind them. It's not something that follows the main deal before them, and have not obeyed it. Like um, Linky said, listen of, or hear and keep, keep, obey it, my voice. 
and walked in accordance with it, but have stubbornly followed. So it's not just, oh, it happens. You stubbornly follow your own heart and have gone after balls and as their father has taught them. It's hectic. So it's very clear. God wants us to look at his word, follow in it, walk in it, else our hearts will drag us away. That's human condition. We always get there. So there's lots of tough times where emotions happen. I mean, and we just need to deal with it wisely. Losing a child, having a difficult relationship, finances. In 2008, the, the home crisis, I think most of you <laughs> remember that time, home crisis. And they said that the following year, between 4 and 6.4, more men committed suicide because they lost what they held on to, their income, their jobs. That was their security. They, we should always hold on to the concrete of God's word. If you can put up Isaiah 54 verse 10. So I, put, I told poor Rudolf, I've got so many scriptures today, and only now I realize it's because I'm talking about scriptures. So it says, for the mountains may depart. Now, if I think of mountains... I think of something concrete, something solid, something that will surely never move. But God says, in trying to contrast things here, he's using a mountain, something we think is concrete, and he says, that might depart. And the hills may be moved. So things we think sometimes is concrete, your experience, your feeling, your whatever, that's like a mountain that can depart. But my steadfast love... So when I think love, I think flaky, rom-coms, <laughs> falling in, falling out of love. But God's love is steadfast. It shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace, so it's not just peace, it's not just a feeling you have, it's a covenant. A covenant is written down, Adria is very into loyal things. I mean, it's there, you can, there's serious implications <laughs> God will not break his covenant. It shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion. So even that compassion is steadfast because it's from God. So we're going into holiday times where lots of interesting chats might happen in family li members' lives. Maybe like with me, my atheist brother-in-law. I don't know. Hopefully we have a, like a chat. Or maybe you have a chat with... I don't know, a family member who's on some weird vibe. Uh, or maybe, maybe you're going to feel very alone. Or maybe you're going to feel very relaxed. Don't make decisions based on that place. Make decisions based on facts, what you know is true and solid, not the temporary feeling. So I like David a lot in the Bible. He's not a robot. He has lots of feelings. He has lots of emotions. He has lots of that. But he doesn't react on it. But the times he did, we saw what happened. He had some really bad decisions there, very bad ripples through his life. <laughs> but most of the time he did the following. If you can put up Psalm 42 verse 11. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Is that a good or bad feeling? <laughs> okay. <laughs> cast down. And why are you in turmoil 
within me. Hope. So he, he looks here and he goes, no, hope in God. I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. See, he knows how to turn from feeling to fact. And that's what we must do. We must turn from feelings to facts. So when I just became a believer, um, one of the guys there told me, I mean, I literally went, yes, I want this. And I experienced God in a big time. And next minute, I doubt. And the guy was like, LaSalle also said with Thomas. He's like, don't be like Thomas. Don't be like, like that. And it's because I was so experientially based. And a while later, I got a prophetic word. I was like, what's this guy doing? And the guy told me, he sees like the faith, and I think he said my faith, will be like, like that mustard seed, which is the smallest that will grow into this big tree. And I was like, yes, I think my faith is about that big now. <laughs> and I can testify, God grows it if you just remain in his facts. So um, even in the beginning, for me, trying to spend time in the word was tough. Like my feelings would clash against it. My experiences, what I thought the world was like. I mean, I was in weird alien and new agey vibes. So the two worlds clashed. And I went on this camp and the guy said, he used the scripture that says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And I went, okay, God, I feel fully like this. I feel fully like this. I'm going to put myself in the word for a year and see what happens. And he changed me. He changed me big time. So take the thought and fight it with the facts. That's the only way we can survive. So when it comes to faith, one of the biggest chapters that pops up is Hebrews 11. And um, if it starts off like a following, you know, it's not going to be easy. Okay? <laughs> it says, now faith is the assurance so something steadfast of what we hope for. That's not a feeling. It's not an experience. It's purely something we hope for. It's a certainty, once again, steadfast, of what we do not see. Like Lasalle mentioned that taste and see, but sometimes we don't see. Then we must put our faith in this assurance and this thing we don't have. So just think about Noah. Go and build the ark. I mean, those people were laughing at him, like mocking him, like, wow, 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 what are you doing? He must have felt really bad, like a triple loser. But he kept putting his faith in what God said, that, hey, water is going to come, build this boat. And he did. Sarah, I mean, God said something. Her experience was, I'm barren, I'm very old, stuff ain't happening, God. She even laughed in the tent. But yet, God came through. And a sobering thing, it says later in Hebrews 11, it says, many died without receiving the promise. So what, is, what does success look like for you? Is it to receive this or is it purely to obey this? Because that's what they did. They didn't get the promise. Many didn't. And for some of it, it might be the goosebump or the feeling, so What? This is obedience, to follow God and let the rest follow. And it goes on Abraham, Moses, and, and then people walking through the Dead Sea. And often 
in my mind, I just think of it, I think it was Disney, where they walk and it's just like a whale swimming next to them. <laughs> We're like, oh, nice. But it must have been scary. I mean, there's people following you that want to kill you. This water's next to you. It might collapse in your mind. I mean, it was scary, but yet they didn't follow this. They followed what God said. And um, it continues, tortured. They didn't receive relief. I mean, I would have run if a jail opens up for me. <laughs> they didn't receive it. They experienced mocking, flocking, chains, imprisonment. How did they keep their faith? I think if our generation went through that, being like this, Aina, help us, Jesus. <laughs> and just when you think it can't get worse, it goes, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. That's quite a slow Aina. That's like, <laughs> ow, Aina, ow, Aina, ow, Aina. And yet, believe in the fact, death by sword. And then one of the nicest things in that, it says, the world was not worthy of them. Huh? So what is the stuff in our generation that the world should not be worthy of? What is the stuff in your life? What are the stuff you maybe put higher than God? It's not worthy of you. Don't let it be worthy of you. So um, I'm going to read a portion of scripture. Don't put anything up. It's not that one yet. And just think about what's being said. It says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's hectic. I mean, that's low. <laughs> I don't know if you can get lower than that. And you know who said that? God himself. Jesus. Just before he died for all our sins. That's how low he was. I mean, he's... People were spitting in his face. His beer got plucked out. His family didn't believe in him sometimes. His friends left him. I mean, he went, he was sweating blood. And yet, not this. But if you can put it up, Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, for the joy set before him. This thing he knew. Not just a joy feeling, the joy set before him. He endured all of us, the cross. So what is the cross you need to enjoy in your life? What is that experience, that feeling? And I want to say, don't face that. Face the joy set before you, that one day you will be with God. And in this world, we can know the Father. And that already is eternal life. So last week, we said bye to quite a few people. And um, I was just thinking about Ginter who said, like, he was in this camp. He felt way on the outskirts. He felt alone. He felt like he didn't belong. But he took the truth of I'm adopted, and he kept pushing into people. He kept pushing in. So he was fighting these feelings with truth. And if I'm thinking of Stellenbosch AM, he's one of the first faces that pops up. I mean, he had a huge impact on us as a church. And I'm sure his wobbly feelings were pulled into line. Like when a locomotive goes, it pulls the rest of the cars. The same way our feelings get pulled into line as we keep following the Lord. So um, 
If you can put up Jeremiah 6, verse 16. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. So I think often we get to crossroads in our lives, and we just want to quickly make a decision. But stand. Look. Ask for ancient parts. In our generation, just putting your trust in who God says he is, putting your trust in what his word says. That's almost ancient paths now. <laughs> so ask for the ancient paths. Where is the good way? Then walk in it, like Linky said. Walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. So emotion follow, but it's not a worldly emotion. It's godly peace. And we read earlier, covenant of peace. It will not go away. So we need to reorder this thing. Facts. Then faith. Not faith in your own faith. I mean, then I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'll be derailed. And then feelings. That's how it should go. So um, just before you think I'm completely against feelings, I'm not. Okay? But it's about the order. It's about what drives you. So if you can put a Proverbs 29:11, it says, "A fool gives full vent to his spirit." So just give full vent to everything you feel and experience ah, versus that a wise man quietly holds it back. See, if the order becomes right, we'll get to the place, like the Sal said, where we can taste and see that the Lord is good, but we need to be focusing on the Lord else we won't taste or see. And God is not purely just, poof, those things follow. I mean, we read that it's like this concrete thing, his steadfast love. So that's there. It mentions in the Bible how he sings over us, how he dances over us. So there's lots of emotion involved, but we need to be focusing on the right thing. So I think I want to pray for us. <laughs> so maybe all of us can stand up. And maybe the musicians can come out, yeah? So let's maybe close our eyes. Maybe no one has ever told you how the strain works. The, the facts about this, where there's facts, and you need to put your faith in those facts. The facts are... We are a train wreck of a people. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us. So it's a messed up train and we can't fix it. No matter what we try, we can't fix that train. But Jesus came to put that train back on the track. And if we follow him, if we go after him, he will pull us straight. So if you today want to get to know Jesus. Will you put up your hand so that we can pray with you? So often, often we think coming to church is enough, but I just want to say it's not. So if you're not sure about that, will you just afterwards come and talk to me today? Or at least in your own heart go, God, I've heard this thing that Humanity have messed up. We've all followed our own hearts. We've all followed what we want to do. And God says, 
that leads to eternal separation from him. However, Jesus came, he paid a price, and it was accepted by God by being raised from the dead. And if we then follow Jesus and ask him, take my sins on you, take all my penalties on you, everything I deserve, take it on you, he will do it. I can, I can testify it happened in my life. Then the next group, as we go into a time of worship, maybe you started off following the facts. You started off following what God does and who he says he is, but you've turned around to experiences and feelings. And once again, those are okay if it's not your driving force. So today, I think we need to repent. We need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I put feelings way above who you are. I've put experiences higher than who you are. So in worship time, just make serious thing about this with God. I'll just pray and then we'll go into worship. Father God, just thank you for how beautiful you are. Thanks for how steadfast you are, God. Thank you, God, for when we wobble, if, we, if our feelings go up and down, if we just look back at you, you pull us straight over time. God, help us to focus on you. Help us to look at the truth. Help us to look at who you are, God. Help us to always make that the first point. And help us to always put feelings and experiences as a potential after point. Just be welcome, Holy Spirit. Please come and minister to hearts and help all of us, God, to come back to a place where you are first. As we're going to worship, just set it in your heart not to wait until you feel that emotional kick of connecting to the Lord before you actually connect your heart to Him and, and pour out your heart before Him. It is a, a picture of, even though you don't feel it, you go and lay your life down before Him at the cross. You lay down everything that's inside of you, all of your hurt, all of your brokenness, all of your insecurities, all of your fears, all of your doubts. You lay it at the cross and let it stay there. He has paid for that. He has given his life for that. Let us hold on to that truth, onto that fact that he has died for us, that he's risen again from the dead and he's alive. And we can know him. We can be intimately personal with him. Let that be the core of what we do this morning in worship. Let it not be the music or the songs or the words or anything specifically, but let it be Jesus central, your eyes focused on him your life poured out before him. 